Blog Talk Radio.
really directed me kind of a different way tonight, and the Lord showed me something about 20, 25 minutes before the program started, something that I have never seen in all my years. So I'm going to share that with you also. He gave me a, some last tune-ups right here before we go on the program. So first of all, the name of the, of the, uh, the program is called, well, not the program, but what we're going to be talking about tonight is called Understanding and Doing Are God's Keys to You. You might say, hey, that is a strange title right there. Well, not really, because it's made up of two keys uh, for you and for me as far as God's Word and the reality of God working in and through our lives. First of all, we are to do what the Word says. It says in James 1.22, we're not to be just hearers of the Word, but doers, or otherwise we deceive ourselves. But now you'll say, well, I'll do the word, but I must have to understand what I'm doing first because I can't do what I don't understand. So you see, you must have an understanding before you do, don't you? Now, with that in mind, what we have to understand, what is that verse saying to me? How am I involved in that? What God said he would do? What are the conditions of this? Just how does this come into play? And sometimes you have to look at some verses before and after also. It's not all in one verse many times, which you'll see as we go with the program. But uh, what we're going to learn and what I want to share tonight, and you'll see as we go along uh, in this exactly where I'm coming from, because you need to do this when you get into the Word of God, that you're going to make sure that you are touching that verse and doing exactly what it says with the right heart, with the right everything, that for sure it will come your way. All you have to do is simply apply your faith because sometimes people and I have found that say I'm applying my faith, I'm believing for something, and they're not even meeting the conditions, and it's not going to work. And you'll see what I'm talking about there. I'm going to try to point these things out because a lot of things you'll say, well, that sounds simple. That sounds like, well, everybody should do that. But you'd be surprised of how many people that don't pick up on a lot of things. I work with a lot of people online, offline, and on telephone lines and face-to-face or whatever, and uh, I see that. And I see it's really needed because you can't take people for granted that they know these things all the time. Sometimes we have a bad habit if we're not careful, especially some of us have been around a little bit longer. You know, you can't, because you understand something that is simple to you and you understood it maybe for years, you sometimes will take for granted, well, that person should know it, he should know it, she should know it. No, you can't do that because you wouldn't know it either except by the Holy Spirit. Remember, you're at a higher faith level, a higher level of knowing the Word of God. So you see, you can take a person, remember, we'll say the uh, level four, you might be a level eight, and what you learn, you learn when you're level seven. Well, they haven't reached that level yet to know something. And that's just kind of put in a simplified way. But we have a tendency, like I say, because you know it, you think, doesn't everybody know it? But things that we know we didn't learn by our own intelligence or because how smart we are if we went to college or how educated or what our IQ is. We learned it through the Holy Spirit. So we must recognize that, and we must make sure that there's an understanding with the people we're sharing with. Because when Jesus taught, he made sure of an understanding. Now, it's true when he taught the disciples, he said things in parables because they weren't to know the Jewish people. It wasn't their time to know, and they were not ready. But through the apostles, he explained to them exactly what he was talking about. He made sure that they knew, you see. And that's what we have to do. We have to make sure people know. So as a preacher and teacher and all these things, I have to make sure 
my audience knows what I'm talking about right here, not just knowing what I'm talking about, but to make sure they understand it. Okay, let's start with uh, verse, well, in fact, this is the one that God just spoke to me about in Second Chronicles 7:14. Very familiar verse to everybody. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Okay, before I, I go on, I forgot to say this is part one. We will not finish it tonight. There will be at least another uh, part to this, which will be two weeks from tonight. I don't know if it will be any longer than that, but for sure we won't finish it tonight. There will be at least part two. Okay, another thing is make sure, and I, need, I should have said this earlier too, but uh, you need to have pencil and paper anytime that you listen to my program because things I'll be saying, you need to write some of these things down. And if you don't have your pencil and paper, don't get a chance, well, you should re-listen to it because you can't possibly get any, everything off of one listen to a program. You only get a small percentage. And as you listen the second time, you'll get more, third time. And that's the way with everybody. It's just like reading a book. You have to read it a couple of times, you'll get something else out of it. Listen to a program, you get something else out of it. So these are good things to follow that we get more and more out of things. Okay. I used to always look, in fact, it still is a corporate verse that we say about our country. We say, if we in the United States here would do this for Second Chronicles 7:14, God would heal our land, right? Well, Lord just told me something. He said, no. He said, not just that. He said, you as an individual. He wants you and I to look at this as an individual. Too often I did this very same thing until tonight, and you've done the same thing. We looked at that verse and said, only if our country, if our people, if people call themselves Christians and say they love Jesus, if they'd really humble themselves and pray, seek God's faith, and turn from the wicked ways, then he would forgive the sin of this land and heal our land. We put it in a corporate box, but no, he wants us to put it in our box, in all for us, you see. In other words, here we go. If I which I'm called by your name, being a Christian, would humble myself. Humble myself means simply to recognize who I am in Jesus and who I am outside of Jesus and recognize who he is. Know who I am and know who he is for what we really are. You see, if I see him as he really is, as he wants me to see him and myself as I really am, I'm a nobody and nothing outside of him, and in him I am everything. If I have that, that's called humility. It isn't, oh, woe is me. I'm just a no-good guy. I'm no good. I'm a no-account. No, no, no. God doesn't want to hear that. He realizes, and you should realize, too, outside of him, you are nothing. You can do nothing. But in him, you can do all things. That's the type of attitude he wants us to have. And we're in Jesus Christ, so don't get that out-of-him attitude, because that's what the devil wants you to get, because then, therefore then, when things come your way to do, you'll say, well, I'm just a no-account nobody. I can't do that. Go get Brother Joe or Brother Tom or Sister Mary do that. They're good men and women. I'm just a nobody. You get somebody good to do that. You see, he wants to demean you and bring you down, you see, but God lifts you up because he said, you're a mighty woman. You're a mighty man of God, you see. That's what God tells us. So we have to keep that attitude. Now, we're humbling ourselves. That's humbling ourselves. Then pray. I don't think I have to say that. That's really speaking God's word. Seek his face. Okay, when you seek his face, you're not saying, well, Lord, I need money to pay my rent. I need uh, this. I need that. No. No. That's seeking his hand. When you seek his face, you're saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Here I am. What do you want of me? That's really the best thing that you could say to God in those few words. Here am I. What do you want me to do? Or that's more than five words, but here am I. 
Now what? Here am I. Now what? There's five words right there. That's true. And if you really mean that, he'll give you the now what, what he wants of you, you see. So we seek his face, and you, what do you want from me, Lord? What do you want of me? Okay, we do that, then we turn from our wicked ways. Now, we know in ourselves things that we know is there things that you're doing that you shouldn't do, things that you aren't doing that you should do. We need to correct them, things like Second Corinthians 7, 1 says, to lay aside all the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit and come into subjection to the Lord having these precious promises. Okay, we lay aside what we know. Then we ask the Lord, we say, now, Lord, that's what I know. Now, is there anything, Lord, that, that else that you're displeased with in my life? Show me. And he'll show it to you because, you see, you don't know it all when you look at your life and, and think you're correcting everything because I've had times that I, I thought everything was just right, I correct, and then the Lord would bring up something to me. It, it might appear very minute, but yet it was something that God said, no, it needs to be corrected, then I had to do it. So always ask his looking by the Holy Spirit because he goes to the very depth of it. There won't be anything missing when he does it. So always get him to do the search in your heart and reveal to you so you can make the correction. Okay, when you've done that, he said, then I'm going to hear from heaven. He said, you're going to have a right heart, and you need to have a right heart so I can hear you because the Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't even hear me. So there's no use of me praying and then saying, I'm believing the faith, and I'm standing on the word, and I'll quote that, and I'm praising the Lord. No, you've got to have your heart right, and you've got to be right before you go into the throne room, you see. We have to be right. We have to have a right heart, a pure heart. So anytime, at all times, we need to have a pure heart, but especially when you're praying, you don't just go in there. You make sure you're right. You know, when you take communion, you examine yourselves. Well, that's not the only time we should examine ourselves. It should really be daily and keep examining ourselves because it's easy for any one of us to get out of whack or out of line. You know that? We can all get out of line. I don't care how mature or how long you've known the Lord or how big you are or how small you are. We all are human beings, and we're susceptible to falling a prey to something or falling into something. I mean, realize that, okay? Pride says, no, I'm too far along here. No, no. That's when you fall into it. So do that. Then he said, I'm going to hear from heaven. Then I said, I'll forgive that sin. I'm going to forgive it because you asked me to forgive you, and I, I will forgive you. First John one nine, he said, "If you ask me, I'll forgive you. Bring you, you know, what you sinned, ask me, and I'll forgive you." Okay, if he forgives your sin, I will heal your land. Now, what's your land as an individual? Well, we're going to put it on us as a person. He'll heal us, whether it's physically, financially, mentally, whatever way we need healing. If we are right with him, he heals us, spirit, soul, and body, because that's what we need—not just physical healing in our bodies. Not just our our, uh, our minds, which is our intellect, our soul, but also our spirit, man. Everything, everything he heals and makes whole that we do. He said he'll make you complete. I'll heal you. And sometimes that keeps us from getting healed physically because if we have a problem in our lives that we're not taken care of and haven't asked God to forgive us for, there can be a little hindrance there. I've seen it happen numerous times, people that had... Uh, a lot towards somebody, or maybe there was a, a division with the husband and wife, and I could give you stories on that. And I've seen them make that right, and they didn't need prayer. They just needed to make something right, and bang, they received it without any prayer. There was no prayer needed. A lot of times we pray for things 
that aren't even needed to pray for. We just have to get in the right place with God and be right with him, and then these things will clear up, you say. Okay? So you see a little bit what I'm talking about here. We take a verse, and we look at it, and we apply it to ourselves, you see. And that goes for anything really corporately, because a corporate situation is many people, and we do need corporate prayer working together corporately. This is right. But you have to recognize a corporate group is made up of individuals. So we are all chains. We're all links in a chain. So our chain links must be strong because you heard the old expression, a chain is strong as its weakest link, right? So if we're corporately together, the weakest person in that corporate would be really weakest person could cause some problems. So we need to make sure our chains are strong, you see. We are a link in God's chain. We want to make sure our links are strong and will hold and do what God wants us to do. So Second Chronicles 7.14. Now you're going to see as I get down a little further as going these things to understand just how I deal with verses like that, and I'll give you an idea how you need to deal with them because you want to make sure that you're understanding this and getting it out there exactly the way it's said. Then you can believe, and it has to happen, or otherwise the Word of God would be a lie. You have a right heart. You believe the Word of God, and you use the right words, the right actions, the way you live your life. It has to happen because God cannot lie. It'll work, you see, but it's we getting ourselves in the place with the Lord. Okay, let's go to Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. But you shall receive power. All right. This verse is used at Pentecost. We use that at Pentecost, and that's what Jesus spoke to the 120, told the people to tarry. Now, you and I don't have to tarry anymore uh, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Jesus already went back to the Father, and he sent the Holy Ghost over 2,000 years ago. So the Holy Ghost is here. So he said, I don't want you going out to do any work or anything. Do you receive that experience? You are baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues. And I'm going to say something right now that most preachers you wouldn't hear say this. In fact, I can't say that I heard any preacher say this. But I'm going to tell you right now, and I've said this a number of times, you have no business standing in the pulpit. You have no business going out to do the work of God until you receive empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, if he told these people to tarry in the upper room till they were empowered, what do you think he's saying to you and I? These are saved people. These were Christians. These people were Christians. The Holy Spirit wasn't here yet, but he was here. That's why the Holy Ghost wasn't here. And until we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts when we're saved. But we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we receive that second work of grace, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence speaking in tongues. And then he says, after you receive that, he said, you're going to be, uh, when he's come upon you and you receive that, you're going to be a witness to me both in Jerusalem. Now, what's this verse saying? Jerusalem, that means your home area. Your home, right? You're not going around the world before you start at home. He said, I want you to start in your home, your family. I want you to get it together there. Then he said, you're going to branch out to get it together there, and you're going to go to Judea. When you get it together there in the Samaria, then the uttermost part of the earth. You see, some people want to start out at the beginning and jump way up to their part A, and they want to go to part B. But he wants you to do part B and C, and just as he directs you, you see. So there's a teaching there. You must be empowered, and you start out where you're empowered, and I'm going to lead you 
through this thing into greater things, which he is today. The greater things are happening now. They're just starting to happen, and the greatest things that ever happened are going to be happening. Really, it's beginning in this month, coming month here of September. I mean, it's just phenomenal things we're seeing happen, the power of God. Uh, we've seen two people raised from the dead. One of them was my grandson, and there was another one who was a baby uh, back about two months ago, I guess it was. And we see bodies healed, disease, and everything, miraculous things. God is doing great things. But that's because of the power of the Holy Spirit through us, you see. He does the healing. We have the Holy Spirit within us, and we just follow what the Holy Spirit tells us to do, and then God does the work and does the job, you see. So you must have that power. You wouldn't go out if you were a uh, contractor to dig a foundation with a pick and shovel. You're digging a hole every 10 feet deep and, and 50, 60 feet wide. And, well, you wouldn't do that. You're going to take backhoes and heavy equipment to dig, right? Well, that's the very same thing with God, with empowerment. You don't go out to do the work of God without that empowerment. So remember that you need this power in your life. So you see, you have to read that verse, and, and Lord, what's it saying to me? See, I named several things to you there about the needing of it and about how you start out beginning in your home when you go forth. Uh, these are just a few things that I skimmed over, but you must look at the Bible that way. You must read that and ask him to give you understanding, or otherwise you'll be maybe trying to do something that, hey, it's not even in, in for you to do that way, you see. You must have an understanding because what did we say that the subject title was? Understanding and doing. How are you going to do if you don't understand, you see? Okay. Another scripture, and I love this, and this, this is, I'm going to give you a few more pointers about this on this here. This will give you a little bit more understanding. Uh, you've all heard people say, say, no weapon formed of me can prosper. And that's true, isn't it? Isaiah 54, 17 says, no, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of God, of the Lord, rather, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Okay, no weapon formed against thee will prosper. How many people have you heard say that? That's true, but what's it say, uh, that next sentence after that? Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. What does that mean? Things that are coming against you to hurt you or weapons that are coming against you, it says thou shalt condemn. I look up the word thou, and what do you think it meant? Thou meant in the Hebrew, you. You shall condemn. So let me ask you a question. If no weapon formed against me would prosper, as the Bible says right here, then he says it will rise up against thee. In it says every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. So that means there's going to be tongues and things, people rising up and things against me, weapons to hurt me, right? But it, he says here, I'm to condemn it. What if I don't condemn it? Is no weapon formed against me going to prosper? It sure will. If somebody takes a punch at you, if you don't block that punch or, or something that over, we'll say block the punch, what's going to happen if they throw a punch at your face? You're going to get cracked in the snoot, aren't you? You're going to get hit. You're going to block that punch. Well, that's what he's telling you right here. It says every tongue that will rise against you in judgment you condemn. You do it, you see. God has given you the power to do it. He's given you the authority because look what he says in the next sentence here. This is a heritage of the servants of the Lord. That means that's what we inherited from our, our Heavenly Father and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, that's your heritage. That's what I've given you, kids. You're my children. I've given you that. I want you to go out. He said, I know you need these things that 
because you're going to be challenged in life, and I'm giving this to you from heaven for you to use, you see. So you and I must rise up and come against these things, whether it's sickness, disease, uh, whether it's uh, forces of darkness in some other areas, the demonic forces, whatever it is that comes against you, it has no right to come against you. And according to God's word, that weapon's coming out to destroy me and my body, my finances, my marriage, my children, my ministry. You name what's coming against you to destroy you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break that power, and I command Satan out of that thing in the name of Jesus Christ. It will not come against me and hurt me because it will not prosper. It cannot prosper because God says that's my heritage. It cannot prosper in my life. I'm to stand up and take authority over that thing, you see. Now, if I do that, according to his word, he says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. You see what I'm trying to illustrate right here? That's why I said I've never really kind of taught like this before. I've taught a little bit like this, but not in the degree that I'm doing it now. That's why it's going to take a little bit of time on, on this program that I'm doing. It's going to might even take more than two, two parts in this. But I'm trying to get this into everybody listening because uh, I work with so many people so many times, and sometimes it gets actually disheartening. From what they do, I say, my, don't you know any more than that? What kind of pastors do you have? And I'm not being critical about this. To me, it's sad because I see a devil out there is, is coming stronger than I ever thought it would happen. We're all surprised the way the devil come in and come on against this world right now. But I want to tell you something uh, to really encourage you right now. I'm going to say this. This is kind of like going on a side path out of the uh, the program right now a little bit. But Isaiah 59:19 says, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God raises to stand up against it. So the devil is given his best shot. And let me tell you, God is taking his turn now, and I'm telling you spiritually and prophetically as a prophet of God, also in the calling of my life, I see Satan crumbling now. I see the legs, the arms, and I see Satan's people crumbling. I see him falling down right now. I see this thing breaking. I see light coming through, that God's light's coming through because he's overpowering that. He, what he does, he says his power is raising up a standard against it, and God's power and his standard is conquering these things that have come against us. I don't care if it's COVID. I don't care what it is. Any of this stuff for crooked politicians and liars, which they are, most of them, he's coming against these people, and judgment is coming upon them. Judgment is coming upon people that are doing this, that are trying to destroy humanity. And blessings are coming upon God's people. Blessings and anointing and prosperity and, and the things that God has promised you many years you've been standing for, God is bringing them to pass to those that have been faithful to him. He's bringing them to pass. He's blessing us in ways be, and will bless us in ways beyond our understanding. And if you have your pencil and paper, you can mark Habakkuk 1 5, because that's what tells us that right there. We wouldn't believe what he's going to do these days. He gave me that scripture over 30 years ago, and, and it was to a major minister, man uh, of God, and a major, major minister, powerful man of God. And he gave me that personally, and I. I've given it to different people because I know it wasn't just for me, even though I thought it was just for me in that time. But through time right now, I see it's for other men and women who are in the remnant of God. And we wouldn't even believe that he told us it's that great. So hold on, folks. I'm telling you, get ready, get ready. This is not a time to be down and out and feel bad about anything. It's a time to shout. It's a time to shout because the walls are coming down, folks. Now I guess we better get back on the program here. I had to do a little side interest or a little side exit, I guess you'd say. Okay. So this is a heritage of you and I, that no weapon can prosper if we believe that. 
don't get challenges that come your way because there are weapons that come at you as challenges. I don't call them problems. I call them challenges because a challenge you will meet by another way. But if it's a problem, some people just say, well, that's just problems in life. Now, a challenge is something you defeat like David did Goliath, and that's what God expects you and I to do, to defeat those weapons, and that's how you defeat the weapons that come against you. Because you can't stop weapons from coming at you, but you can stop, as far as coming at you, but you can stop them from being effective. You have that power and authority. Okay, let's go to another verse here. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to that which ye also are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Okay, isn't that a beautiful verse? Let the peace of God. Now, I ask somebody, I say, what does that verse mean to you? It means let the peace of God rule in your heart. Yeah, it does, but uh, you're missing something there. You let the peace of God rule in your heart, not God. God doesn't let his peace rule in your heart. You let his peace rule in your heart. Well, how in the world do you do that? How do you let uh, God's peace rule your heart? Well, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 26, 3, that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. So that means we must be in the mind of the Lord. We must think about the Lord. We must be in the word of the Lord. We must think about his word, meditate upon it, and keep in that. That's, that's the beginning, right? Okay, that's uh, that's part A. But part B is, to have peace, if you owe a month's rent and you don't have the money to pay your rent or your house payment, do uh, you have peace? Well, you might say, no, I'm concerned. How am I going to pay this rent? Well, to have peace, then, you must be able to believe the word of God. He says, I'll supply all your needs. Now, do you believe that? Are you going to lay awake at night to say, how am I going to pay that rent? How am I going to pay that rent? Oh, I'm not going to make it. Oh, I'm going to be kicked out. I'm going to be thrown out. No, you have faith in it. There's a challenge you're faced with, whether it's the money that you need to pay your rent or to buy groceries, whether it's a physical need that you have. Maybe you're in a position you might lose your job or what have you, but you have to take the word of God on any given challenge that comes your way. And what's the word say about it, you see? Whether it's physical healing, I use that a lot because that's the most common. But whatever the word says about that, you take his word. What's the Bible say about what's happening in your life? Okay? You find that, and then you simply make that a part of your life, and you believe that. And if you believe that and cast that thing upon Jesus and say, I just believe what you say here, I believe it, and that's it, his peace will automatically rule in your heart. You see, peace doesn't just come. Just all of a sudden there's peace. What happens is you must be lined up for it by your faith, you see. You can't have peace and not faith. If you don't have faith, you can't have peace because you're going to have worry. You're going to have fear. When you are walking in faith and believing the word of God for whatever challenge comes your way, you will have peace. That promotes peace. But if you don't have faith in what comes your way and for God's word to, to meet it, how can you have peace? You're going to have fear, the fear of how in the world am I going to do it? You see what I'm trying to say here? You see, faith in God's word, trust in him, brings you peace. And when you put it in his lap, you hand it to him, you let it there. You trust his word for it and say, you've got it, Lord. I've done that many times. My One of my favorite sayings, and I have tell people this too, God's got it. 
I've used that in my worst times. Miraculous miracles that happened after I did it. I knew it. I just uh, just simply believed God. And uh, that's really what it is. You know, we complicate things a lot of times. We try to explain things away and try to get deep, and it's not deep. Some of the people, I tell you, I've worked uh, overseas in a few uh, miracle healing services and things. I'm telling you, they, they make Americans look bad, these church folks. They look bad. These people receive bang, bang, bang. Why aren't you receiving and I'm not being critical about it, but I'm saying it's not all that complicated if you just come up like a child and just simply believing. Too often we've all gotten so educated and so much college and college degrees that we're so smart that we know it all and we can explain it all. Oh, I knew that. I know that. I had 10 years of college. I did this. I did that. It isn't, that isn't what it's about. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.18, Let him that seems wise in this world become a fool that he may be wise. Now, I'm not against college education and education. I'm not at all against that. But that has no bearing on how spiritual and how much of a man or woman of God you'll be. It can aid you and help you. Don't misunderstand. But the real things you get from God, they aren't going to teach you any Bible school. You're going to get them away from the Holy Ghost. And I do say that. I have people that have education longer in your arms. One man I'm thinking of in particular he has more education than any five people I know that are doctors beside their name or whatever. But uh, this man is a very simple man. He comes to me from time to time asking comments and questions about things. He wants my take on things as a spiritual person, you see, in the Word of God. And that's what it's about. You don't have to be smart. All you have to do is just know God's Word. And, and it's simple. If I can do it, anybody can do it. If he does it for me, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for anybody. None of us are special people. Nobody's a special person. God gives and does for those that seek him. If you put an effort to come to him, draw near to me, he said, I'll draw near to you in James 4, 7, and 8. He says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So it's just drawing near to the Lord, and he'll teach you. He's a teacher, you see. It's for everybody. We're not limited. You see, we're all on an equal playing field, but it's up to you and I what we do with it, you see. Okay, let's move along here a little bit. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Okay, God is looking to and fro upon the whole earth to find himself or show himself strong to them whose heart is perfect towards him. Now, what in the world does uh, heart perfect towards him mean? A pure heart towards him, out to please him, not build themselves up, build their own reputation, do their own thing, or become a, a big somebody or something like it. But the one that just wants to do what the Lord wants he or she to do and then win souls for Jesus Christ and just serve him and be a blessing to others and serve others and, and help others and see others be blessed and helped by the power of God. That's what it is. It has the right attitude, not on a mission to build yourself up. There's a lot of these, these characters out there now they are trying to go by their name and be a big somebody and make all the money in the world and get uh, $665 or million jets and airports. I don't buy that. I don't buy it. I simply buy ministering to people what the needs are, you know, 
That's what I'm all about, getting people saved, healed, delivered, and on fire for Jesus Christ. But he's going to meet all these needs we got. This idea of trying to be, uh, uh, <laughs> I just, well, I won't even get on that subject right there because there's too much going on. Like I see too many needs in people, too many things that are going on that people, when they elaborate themselves, and become gluttons financially. We talk about being a, fi- a glutton, and I've, <laughs> I've been a glutton before with food. I believe a lot of people have overweight, right? But, you know, gluttony is in more than food. It's in anything that we overdo it in. And we can overdo it in finances. We can overdo it in anything. God doesn't care how much we have, but he cares what has us, you see. And the only thing I look at money for is simply, naturally, for our own personal things that we have. But I look at it as a means to, to get the gospel out and to help others. It, it's uh, uh, We're conduits. As the money comes our way, we're able to share it to get it out to the needs of the people. It's a way to help people, you see. It's a, it's a tool of God in our hands. So God doesn't want us to hoard that tool up. He wants us to use that tool the way he wants it. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And that's the way we need to be with everything. What do you want me to do with this, Lord? Not have it and try to build our barns like uh, the man that Jesus spoke of. Remember, he built the barns, and then remember his life was required of him that night. It didn't do him any good. We see we're to build the kingdom, not build barns for ourselves. We're to build the kingdom of God with things, you see. The kingdom of God is given to us, in our wealth and everything, uh, Romans 8, or, yeah, 8.18, he says in uh, Deuteronomy 8.18, he gives us power to get wealth so we can establish his covenant. It's about establishing the covenant. That's what money's about. Everything's about that. Everything we have and do is about us not just enjoying ourselves but being a blessing to others. It's all about giving, folks. Okay? So if we have this type of an attitude that I've just said right here in these few minutes right here, he said, I'll show myself strong in you. You have the right heart, the attitude, and you're willing to do what I want you to do, and you have the love of me and your heart. He said, I'm going to be strong in your personal life, and I'm going to be strong in your ministry. But if you're all about yourself, if you could care less about others and you're more about what you want, he said, I won't be strong because I can't use you. I can only use and will only use people that will do my bidding for me. He said, I want you to be my ambassador. I want you to be a my ambassador and serve me. And when you do that, that's when he does mighty things to us and greater things to us because he can trust us, you see. He knows we're doing his bidding, not our bidding. Okay. Romans 6.11. If you notice, I'm going to different verses here, but these verses are very pertinent to our walk for Jesus Christ and with Jesus Christ. God gave me all these verses and. uh I'm just using them so it's not a specific thing or subject, but it's a collection of many things here. If you can get the grips of what these verses are, it's going to mold you and help you to be a stronger, better person, just like it will me and like it will for all of us right here, if we walk in these in a greater way. And this is really the first one right here, Luke or Romans 6.11. Likewise, reckon you yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, why in the world are we to reckon ourselves dead? See, that's the first thing we're seeing here, reckon yourself dead. So we ask ourselves, well, what do you mean, reckon myself dead? Well, a dead man doesn't complain, right? A dead man isn't out for his own gain. A dead man is dead. In other words, there's no negative action. He's not resisting anything. He's dead. He's not resisting. He can't resist. He's dead, right? 
Well, he's not talking about our bodies being dead. He's talking about our flesh and our selfish desires, things that we want uh, in our flesh, you see, what I want, what my will is. He said, you reckon that thing dead. You're alive in your body, but reckon that thing, that old selfish will that you have, reckon that dead, that it will not resist what I want you to do because what I want you to do, what you want to do will resist it, and you're going to have to give in to what I want to please me. So, therefore, for you to overcome what I want you to do, you've got to put that old man down. You've got to say, hey, hey, shut up, flesh. Shut up. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to do what God wants me to do wants me to do just shut up i don't listen to you no more you are dead you are dead i'm not going to be proud i'm not going to be jealous i'm not going to have hate i'm not going to be lustful i'm not going to be jealous i'm not going to do anything that displeases you i'm just going to please you i'm going to do what you want me to do i'm going to give and do and everything that you want god not what this flesh would have me to do we have to deal with it folks self-control self-control those that are striving for the master must have self-control in all areas, it says in Corinthians 9.25, 1 Corinthians. And that's one of the fruits of the Spirit is temperance, right? So that means that you and I have to have self-control. According to this scripture right here, reckon ourselves dead because that gives us self-control that when the Father speaks, we're not going to say, well, Father, I don't want to do I don't feel like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, it doesn't suit me now, Lord. I'd rather not do that. Get somebody else to do it. I can't do it. We're not going to act like that with the Lord. We're going to, if he says jump, we're going to say how high, you see. So what it is, there's no resistance from us from what the Father said. We're just going to be automatically obedient unto him, almost like a robot. We're not robots. That's the difference between us and angels. Angels do what he tells them to do. They have no wills. But. You and I were given the will of free will, but he wants that free will committed to him where we deaden. You deaden the flesh. You have to do that, though. See, God won't deaden your flesh. According to Romans chapter 8, I think it's the 13th verse, that you have to reckon yourselves dead. You have to do these things and overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, it tells you in Romans eight thirteen, Through the Holy Spirit, you mortify the deeds of the flesh, and you shall live. So with the help of the Lord, he will aid you in doing it, but he doesn't do it. You have to will to do it and want to do it, you see. It begins with you willing it, and when you will it, and I, I want to be that way, then he does it. It's like wanting to quit smoking. If you want to quit smoking, you have to be 100% meaning it, and I will to do it, and I will do it, and I need your help. I can't do it my own, Lord, but I choose to do it 100%. I mean it, and I just throw these tobacco out, these cigarettes. I quit now in Jesus' name, and I need your help. And, you know, if you mean that 100%, He'll do it. He did it with me back in 1970. My youngest girl was born in 1970. It was around the latter part of 70, I guess it was, that he that I actually gave up tobacco somewhere along in there. And I haven't had any problem with it since. But he gave me the ability to do it because I chose to do it. But until you come to the place that you really will it and you want it, the Holy Ghost won't help you. You see? You have to put forth effort that, hey, I'm coming against this thing. I know I can't do it in myself. But, God, I choose to do what you want me to do, but, hey, I need your help. And when I did that, I did that to, uh, way back in 1971, right before I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues. He empowered me. I said, Lord, I give my life to you. And I was a mess. I was up and down, up and down. And I didn't know what way to go and how to go because I, I couldn't win for losing. You know, I knew it was saved, but I just couldn't make it. And I, I said, well, Lord, I'm going to quit smoking. 
and I'm going to give my life to you, and I don't see how in the world I'm going to do it. So I said, Lord, I give myself to you completely. Now give me the power to live for you. And I won't go into the, the details and everything I've given it before in the program and many other places. But then it began, and I had that. So you see, that's all it takes. You give him your will, you mean it when you give him your will, and watch what he will do in your life. If you don't learn anything or hear anything else in this tonight, you hear that and do that, and you watch what's going to happen to you. It worked for me, and I promise you it'll work for you. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Next thing is First Peter one fifteen. But as he which has called you is holy, be ye holy in all manner of conversation. The Lord is holy, isn't he? He's a holy God. Now, this is, this is a good one. Be ye holy in all conversation. That means I've called you to be holy. So who's to be holy? You are to be holy. You have to determine, I'm going to be holy. So he's telling you to be holy. So you have to say, Lord, I'm to be holy in my life. That word conversation means all manner of life. So in my life, I'm to live a holy life, a life that's committed unto him, obedient unto him, and doing the things that please him. That's what it means, holy. Not doing things that are displeasing to him and our actions or words or deeds, but things that are pleasing to him by his word, showing Jesus, just what would Jesus do. That's what he wants us to live. So he says, be ye holy as I am holy. So if he tells you to be holy and live that life, does that mean that uh, uh, it's possible? Well, I want to tell you something right now. When God says be this or do this, he never tells you anything that you can't become or be. He always tells you things that you can achieve. But it's things that you can achieve in yourself. It's things that he has to help you with. That's why he tells you these things, because he says, I want your will in this matter. He said, I know you can't be holy in yourself and your own strength. But he said, give me your will and choose to be holy and want to be holy, and I'm going to empower you that you will be holy by my Holy Spirit. He will help you do this. He needs your will, and you need his power. You give him your will, he'll give you his power in exchange. It'll work. So if he says, be holy as I am holy, like it's really saying right here in all manner of life, it's attainable, you see. Everything that God tells us to do is attainable. The problem is a lot of people look at what he said in his word, just in these few scriptures that I've gone over tonight so far, they look at things like that in their own ability, and they say, well, hey, I can't do things like that. That's impossible. It won't work. And you know they're absolutely right. But God, but God, you see, he says, give me your will, and I'll give you the power. Give me your will, and I give you my power, it will happen. But it won't happen before you give me your will, and you choose to do it, and you say, hey, Lord, I want to do it. I want to please you that way. Empower me. And then as you reach out, start to step out and just allow him and and just put forth that effort, and you'll find that you'll be doing things that you never did before, you couldn't do before, and you say, my, oh, my, I was never able to do this. Wow, something's going on here. Holy Ghost within you empowering you to do things. That's what it is. If you do these things, you're going to experience these things in your life, you see. It's a growing process, you see. God showing his mighty power. He said in Second Corinthians 12, 9, that my strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So 
We need to look at the Word of God and the things of God in the light that I'm teaching you tonight, folks. This is a good teaching tonight. This is a good message. You all need to listen. You need to get this to your pastors and out there. The world needs to hear this because I see a world that I'm dealing with a lot of times that is not taking this to heart or taking it seriously. And God has told me this. And I've heard it from other men and women of God, prophets of God, saying these things. And we are in a critical time that you and I cannot afford to not do the things that God wants us to do. We cannot afford it. It goes for all of us. I know I have to make sure that I'm straight here before God and, and, and repent and do the things I need to do because, hey, I do this very same thing that I'm telling you to do right now. It goes for all of us. There's nobody above it. We all are under the same message. This word that he gave me tonight about uh, in Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen is much for me as it is for you or anybody else. Okay? Now, Live a holy life, because I'm going to tell you something. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, you walk in the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that was the character of Jesus Christ. But you need to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit and have the demeanor and the characteristics of Jesus before you walk in the power and the gifts of God, because if you don't, you'll bring reproach to the gospel. You better have a foundation of the character of God when you start going out and healing the sick and raising the dead, casting out devils and everything. Don't live a slipshod life like the Corinthians did. They were gifted people, but yet they were little babies almost. Uh, Paul, he had to get after him about that. He had to scorn him about that. There isn't anything worse than a man or a woman to have a, a powerful ministry, and then he's out with his secretary or something like that. I mean, we hear a lot of that. I know everybody on here is listening can relate to this kind of stuff, and you know, without even going into detail, what happens and things like that. But we need to be clear through. We need to be transparent. The world's looking for transparency and honesty and somebody strong and bold that's going to walk the talk and talk the walk. And that's what it's all about, folks. That is what it is all about. Okay. John sixteen thirty three. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There's something else that I see in a lot of Christians. You know, they're serving God. They're throwing some punches against the devil. God's using them, right? Something happens, and they're crying. Oh, my, I'm, oh, the devil's hit me. I've been about, oh, I'm doing spiritual warfare. Oh, my, oh, my. And they'll be crying almost. Listen, he told us, he said, in this world, he said, uh, well, let me read it again. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. So that's tribulation, things that come against you, that attack you, because the devil doesn't like you. You're serving God, destroying his works. He's not too pleased with you. So you think he's going to sit there and say, boy, I wish they would stop that. No, he's going to take some punches at you, you see. He's going to come at you. So you're going to have tribulation. But in spite of his coming at you, you've got authority over him, according to Luke ten nineteen and 20. In the name of Jesus Christ, you cast him out and down. He said, you have authority over the Spirit. So you're the, you're the elephant, he's a little, little mouse, okay? But now, along with that power, be of good cheer, be joyous, smile, praise the Lord, have that joy in your heart. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Nothing can hurt me. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. Jesus loves me. I love him. No weapon formed against me will prosper. He supplies all my needs. I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said, right? Now, if Jesus overcame the world, can't you and I overcome the world? 
Why do you think he overcame the world? As an example to you and me that through him we can overcome the world also, right? The things that I do, so can you do, so shall you do, he tells us, doesn't he? In John fourteen twelve. For I go to my Father which is in heaven. So that's speaking of, of the fruit of the Spirit. That's speaking of the gifts of the Spirit. That's speaking of Jesus. Jesus did not do one thing in this world that any human being can't do. Now, naturally, going to the cross in the holy blood of God, no. No, crucifixion, forget about it. Only he could do that. Only he is worthy. But I'm talking about lifestyle, our character, and our empowerment, and what we do in this world. We have everything that he had because he gave us the Holy Ghost. He gave us the gifts of the Spirit. He gave us the fruit of the Spirit. So it's up for you and I to allow him to work these things to us and participate and cooperate with them, you see. So you see, we can be just like Jesus. And, you know, there's an old saying that say, well, less of me and more of Jesus. Well, you know, we have to go beyond that. We're in a day that we don't just say less of me and more of Jesus. None of me and all of Jesus is the time we're living in because we need all of Jesus in this time, don't we? All of Jesus. None of me, Lord, all of Jesus. That's what should be our prayer. That's my prayer. None of me and all of Jesus. I want all of Jesus. I want everything he has because I need it from him. I desperately need God in my life 24-7. I do, folks. I can't explain that and say that any more <laughs> than I am right now because every day the more I live, the more I see I need the Lord. Believe you me, I see that. I see it, and I'm not just saying that to sound. A lot of preachers get up and talk and say those things, but they don't mean them. But I see that. I mean that because I know, man, <laughs> I'd hate to be without the Lord at all for a few minutes, much less not have him at all. So think about that. Okay. Psalm 66:18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Okay. If I, first of all, if I have... Uh, anger in mind at somebody or, or unforgiveness or I want to commit something I shouldn't do or maybe lust with another woman or anything in, in my mind, my thought, or heart, the Bible says I'm guilty of it. If I look at another woman the wrong way, I'm guilty of adultery. I'm a married man. If I look at another woman and imagine things I shouldn't imagine, that's called adultery, just like the act to commit the act. Okay, if I could get mad enough, which I've had that before, almost so mad I'd like to clobber somebody, and I guess we've all been that way. But I'm going to tell you this, that's just the same as doing it, and we we can't do that. We have to be in charge of these things, and he teaches us and helps us to control ourselves more, especially in the hour we live, because it's easy to get a spirit of, of, of uh, uh, hatred or, or angry or anything like that. We can be angry and sin not, but uh, the things that one you have to be careful because you can really go overboard in that thing. I know I've been there and done that. So uh, we have to have control, folks. And what we have to do, we can't regard anything that's not pleasing to God in our hearts. It's that simple. If I regard anything that's not pleasing to God in my heart, that hinders my prayer life. That hinders me from having my personal life the way it should be. That hinders me from being used to minister the way it should be. That hinders me from having peace. That hinders me from having joy. That just hinders me. That stops it. That stops God. That blocks God. That's a blockage right there. So we must make sure. We must make sure that anything that's unpleasing to God is out of our lives. It's got to get out more than anything. So think about that. That's why I say when you come to the Lord, uh, it's like coming to communion. (laughs) And it should be that way all the time because just think, we say, well, we get ready 
for communion, we have to examine ourselves, and we say, well, we do certain things, we examine ourselves. The rapture takes place. Are you going to have time to examine yourself? Is the Lord going to say, oh, Ed, I'm going to be down here in two minutes, so you better get yourself ready or you're not going to go. I don't think the Lord's going to say that to me or anybody else. I think the Lord's just going to come back and it's going to end. If you're not ready, hey, you're not going to go. It's that simple. In other words, there's not any warning to this. We're having the warnings now. We have the signs now that's showing it's imminent, very, 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 very close. So it's your duty and my duty to keep ourselves straight in the Lord. Notice I said, you'll say, well, the Lord keeps us straight. No. We keep ourselves straight by choosing to do that, and he empowers us with the ability to do it. But it begins with you and I wanting to do it. There we're getting back that old thing called our will, isn't it? Our will, you see. When that will is turned over to him, everything else works. It all works. Give him your will, he'll give you heaven. That's a pretty good exchange to me. You know that? That, that's encouraged me to do better than what I'm doing right now, to give him more of my will, completely his will. Because I want that. I want to give him my complete will. I want it. I want more. I, I, I'm learning. That I have more faith than I did before. I'm getting more faith. I'm growing in all areas of my life. And I want it more. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. Neither should you be. You should never be satisfied because with God, there's always growth. A million years from now in heaven, we'll be growing. You know that? Ten million years will be growing because you get to the place you're not growing, that means you're as smart as God. And I don't believe that's going to happen to y'all. I don't think so. I never read that in the Word. Okay. That's uh, oh, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. Let's do that one now. I'm having fun here tonight, I'll tell you. I'm being blessed and having fun. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Most people, to my satisfaction, couldn't explain this verse to me the way I would see it. You know that? I hate to say that, and I don't want to sound uh, righteous or like something, but it's the truth. But yet it's simple when I look at it, but yet this is probably one of the reasons that I, I'm really, well, not I, but the Lord has rejected me to go this route, because I want to break this verse down. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. In other words, that simply means that it will not depart from me. It will stay within me. In other words, I'm holding to this, and I'm going to live by this. I'm not going to leave it slip my mind or slip my heart. This book of the law, his word, Okay. I will meditate upon it day and night. In other words, that doesn't mean I'm sitting with my Bible day and night. That means I'll have it in my heart, in my mind. I'll be thinking about thinking about the things of God and, and uh, keeping it there, keeping it available. But I'll be reading the Word, studying the Word, things like this. But it's pertaining to me maintaining it because uh, I don't work anymore as far as secular job. I'm retired, you know. And But a lot of you people might be working, and, and when you do a job, I realize that you have to be thinking about your job, but you'll still have him on your heart, and he can still, you're still open for him to listen to what he has to say to you. He knows you're working, you're concentrating your job, but you're working that job is unto him. Uh, you're treating people as unto him, so you're living your life is unto him, and he'll tell you things. Even when you're working, he'll show you things from time to time. So he says meditate day and night. Okay, we're getting the day and night, right? that thou mayest observe to do all that's written therein. 
Well, if you keep it within you, you will want to do and know what to do, what's written therein. In other words, you'll know what he expects of you. You won't say, well, God, what should I do here? What would Jesus do? You're going to know basically what Jesus did when you know the word of God. You're going to know how to respond in cases. It's going to be in your heart, you see. That should be part of you, you see. And then he says, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then I'll have good success. You notice it didn't say here, for then God will make your way prosperous, and then he'll make you to have good success. He didn't say that, did it? It says, then you will make your way to be prosperous, and then have good success. You know what that is really telling me right there? That's telling me there's a law of gravity, right? Now, I hold a Bible in my hand. Okay, I have it in my hand, the Bible. Now, if I open my hand up and I have that Bible and leave it go, it'll fall. The law of gravity says it'll hit the floor, right? Well, according to this word here, if I do what is said right there, what I just quoted to you, these few things, if I do that, it's going to be a sure thing. Is the law of gravity. It's going to happen in your life. You're going to be prosperous and be successful. You follow me? Do these things, and that leads you to success. God doesn't give you success. That's built in with this. You do it, it'll happen, you see. You follow the blueprint, and you're going to get the product. That's, an odd, that's the end of the journey right there, okay? That's the end of the journey. It's going to happen for you if you do that, you see. But you, again, have to study, meditate, keep it in your heart, walk and obey it, be holy as I am holy. You need to do these things. And too many Christians amen and say, yes, this, we're to do this, yeah, we're to do that, yeah, we're to do this. But what James 1.22 says, be not only hearers, and I'll add to that, ameners, but do these things, or otherwise you deceive yourself. Because I agree and say amen and agree with what the church says and what the pastor says, and, oh, yeah, I agree with That's what the Word of God says. Yeah, amen, amen. But if I'm not doing it, and what happens, a lot of people, because they amen it and the church says it, that's church doctrine, they believe that, they assume in their mind somehow there's a, a false uh, belief that, hey, I'm okay because I believe that. But what I'll say to you about the Bible, everything that you're saying, hey, I do it, I believe that, are you doing it? You, have, you and I have to examine myself. I had to do this thing, too. I amen things. I believe this. I believe do I Am I doing it? You've got to put yourself on the, on the block, folks. That's what this season is all about. That goes for every one of us. And there isn't one soul that shouldn't put yourself on the block. I know that as sure as I'm talking to you now, as I'm preaching, teaching you right now. The same thing goes for me because I'm pointing the fingers to you all, and they're coming back at me too. It's for all of us. You've got to put yourself on the line there. Am I doing just what we've talked about so far tonight? Am I taking the word and doing my part in it? Or am I saying the Lord will take care of it? The Lord will take care of it. Oh, he'll do it. He'll do it. That's, that's the approach that most people do. They say, oh, pray for me. Pray for this. Pray for that. We can pray for it, but what good is it going to do if you're not doing what you're supposed to do to achieve it? So that's why I'm trying to teach you people, trying to teach everybody, and maintain myself too. So I'm, I'm pointing the fingers again at all of us to do the Word of God. And when you do it, it works. You know why it's not working with a lot of people? Very simple answer right there. It's not working with many people, a lot of people, for the simple reason they're not working it. They're not applying it. Work your own salvation, out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. You work it out, okay? 
Okay, now I have, uh, I'm just going to do, I guess, a couple more. Well, let me do another verse. Okay, this will be the last verse. 2 Timothy 2.15, since we're talking about this, this will be good. Steady to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly writing a word of truth. That's pretty simple to understand. You steady to show yourself approved to God. Steady it. A workman that's not to be ashamed. In other words, you're not going to be ashamed of word or fearful because when you know what the word of God says, you're going to become bold. You're going to have understanding. You're going to have peace. You're going to have joy if you receive it by faith and believe it and act upon it. It, it automatically comes. It's given through application. It's in the doing that it happens. It's like in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to go off on the journey. It's like in the gifts of the Spirit. Many times they don't kick in until a time, well, they don't kick in until a time of need is there. Then you do it, and it's done. Well, that's the same with a lot of other things. You know, if you study the Word of God, what happens uh, what you have need of will happen as you need it. It will come in automatically, just like the gifts, as you're open for the gifts of the Spirit. They'll come in as they're needed, you see. As you study, you'll know these things they'll need it, and it will happen to you. It, it just manifests. These things just flow. You flow with these things. You don't say, well, I think I'll do this, or I think I'll have this gift. I think I'll No. You live for Jesus Christ and what you have need of through the gifts of the Spirit, uh, through the Word of God, for wisdom, for understanding. It's there for you if you're doing that. It, it should be a flow. It shouldn't be a thing that we have to chop. The reason we uh, experience things like that many times is because we, we have one foot in God, the other foot in the world. But if we have our, ourselves in God and what he wants and what he has for us, these, we're going to flow in a lot of things. It should be a flow. You're going to know he's with you. It's a knowing. It's a know-so. You can't explain it. It's like the old saying, it's better felt than felt. And if you obey these few things that we went over here tonight, as you walk in these things, God reveals himself to you, and you become more hungry for him. And you seek him more. And as you seek him more, he gives you more. As you give him more. And it's a growing process. It's a growing process. But, man, it's it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. It's a blessing. And it's life. I mean, I don't know of a greater life than a Christian life. They can have people that have everything in the world and all the power in the world, and I wouldn't trade with any one of them right now for what I have in Jesus Christ. We can be prosperous in our finance, our health, and everything else. The most, the greatest thing in closing that we can have is go to the Lord and receive of him when we pray. That's the greatest thing we can have, the God that answers our prayers because of the relationship we have with him, because of what we're doing, because we're pleasing him, a relation, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is the most valuable thing that you can possibly ever have. There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing. Heaven itself is not greater than that. A relationship with Jesus Christ because he is heaven. <laughs> he created it. He created it. But with the creator, intimacy with the creator, man, I'm telling you, I just feel even as I'm, I'm speaking here, that's why I'm going to be getting ready to go off here in a, a minute here. I just feel so, so good. Like we spoke tonight now, everybody, I would encourage you to listen to this again. And I do say uh, two weeks from now we'll be coming back and we'll be picking up where we left off. And I don't know where it's all going to lead to, but I just know who's leading it. And I like the way it's going because it's a lesson for me and for you. 
And I encourage you to share these things because remember, what he's called you to do, what he has for you to do, what you're to do, you give him her will, his will, or your will, excuse me, and he will give you his power. That's the exchange. But that will comes before the power. Once you will something, there comes the power. That's an automatic thing, but never before. He doesn't empower people that are haphazard or don't mean business. He's looking for those, like it says in Chronicles 16.9, that have a pure heart, perfect heart towards him, and he can show himself mighty. And you can be that one. You choose to be that one, okay? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the night. I want to thank you for the program tonight, Lord. I, I know I was blessed through it. I'm sure the others were because I felt your presence, Father. And we know when your presence is in something, we, we're joyful, we're peaceful, we have everything that, that uh, is there because you're in our presence, Lord. That's why. And, Father, right now I would just pray for every listener that listened tonight, that will hear this in the future. I just pray that you would give them a hunger. You said in Philippians 2.13 2, that you that work in their heart to will and to, your, will and to do your good pleasure. So, Father, I pray that you would move upon the hearts of everybody that's listening, that they would desire to please you in every way, and that you would show them the way to that, Father. And right now I pray for those that are in need, those that are sick in body, those that have needs, those that need deliver from anything right now. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. I'm going to speak the authority, the power of God for deliverance and healing for you right now. Deliverance in your body, healing, any problem, whether it's smoking, drugs, pornography, uh, disease, cancer, it don't matter what it is, because in the name of Jesus Christ, it's going to go, and I'm just going to pray a mass prayer over everything right now. So I want you to be ready to receive the anointing and the power of God into your life. You will it and desire it, and you're just going to receive it. In the name of Jesus, now I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Right now, as I pray for these people, your word says that by your stripes they've already been made whole. And you said that we're to set the captives free. And you said it's not by power of might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So right now, by your spirit, I declare and I speak, and by faith I release your anointing, your Holy Spirit, and this audience right now, in the name of Jesus. Who he has to do the work that needs done right now. Yes, cancer is healed, disease is healed, afflictions, afflictions healed, delivered from afflictions. Your mortality, life increased, like a mortality increase, that's a strange one. It's like mortality. In other words, a longer life, a longer life for people, Father. I've never did school like I've never said that before. Oh, yeah, but but be faithful, saith the Lord. Be faithful. Be be faithful, says the Lord. Oh, yeah. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Ah, oh, yeah, but thank you, thank you, Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for setting people free for diseases, sickness. Cool. All forces of darkness, all forces of darkness must go. All demonic activity, all curses, all curses, all curses, all witchcraft, all demonic activity must leave households right now. 
out of families that's causing disruption with children and parents right now. I command all satanic darkness out of the homes, out of the families now. All activity is satanic. I command it out in the name of Jesus. And I break that power of darkness and cast it out in Jesus' name. And I speak, I speak your holiness. Come into that home, Father, your Holy Spirit, in a powerful way, changing minds, changing hearts, changing lives, healing diseases, healing cripples, healing cripples, Father, delivering the oppressed and the depressed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just giving praise, folks. Just giving praise. Because the presence, the anointing is there. Just thank him because he's there with you and for you. Just let him have you. Just let him have you and your will in every way. In Jesus' name. Okay, folks, I'm going to let you all go right now. You just go back to your rooms, your bedrooms, wherever you might be in privacy as God is moving on you. And just go back and just let him minister to you and just direct you because he'll show you what he wants from you. He has a plan for you, okay? I love you all, and we will see you in two weeks, Lord willing, and we will continue the lesson later, okay? And I love you all. Enjoyed it tonight. And just be blessed. And remember, you give God your will, and he gives you his power in exchange and will make it right in your life. Good night, everybody. Hello.